Hello and welcome to Game & Watch, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we are talking about the 2017 sci-fi epic directed by Luc Besson, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. <laughs> is it, what, is Luke Luke Besson, Luc Besson, what is it? I mean, I, you know, whatever, however you want to do it. I, I'm not, I can't correct you. I, at, no. at risk of 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 saying something probably similar, you haven't met him. I haven't. I also haven't met Valerian. Have you gone to the city of a thousand planets? I have. Well, in a sense that I've watched a film that yeah. has it. <laughs> yeah, I would um, love to go to it though. Maybe we can yeah. get into that. It's a pretty we'll cool place. It. We'll get into it, but um, interesting place. Uh, watching it uh, this time for the podcast, notice something different about it. But we'll get. Oh, <laughs> really? I, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm interested because there's a lot of things going on. I'm wondering what the yeah. one the one different thing is. There's one different. Thing. There's only one different thing. You notice everything the first time. Not yeah. the, only one thing left. <laughs> Speaking of different things, um, we have a different thing going on in this podcast, <laughs> which is a guest. What nice segue. Yeah. And a guest we've never had before because we do have returning guests on this podcast. Um, but this guest is very special. It is my husband, Edgar. Hello. Hi, Edgar. How are you? This I'm great. I'm very excited to do this with you. Yeah. Um, and with that, why don't we kind of jump into our history with this, this film? Um, we should note that this film was chosen because it is Edgar's favorite film. Um, and we are very excited to have him as a guest. So, uh, Edgar, why don't you lead us off? Tell us about your history with Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Okay, well, I came across this movie maybe four years ago, and I completely fell in love with it because of the way they showed different planets and all these different things that we're going to talk about. Okay, and did you see it in theaters? Did you see it at home? I saw it at home. Okay. Very nice. Um, James, was this your first viewing? No, uh, my second. I don't okay. recall why I watched it the first time. I think I had clocked it pretty, like, right away. I never saw it in theaters, but I remember seeing the trailer and being like, that looks interesting. And, like, it was, it seemed innovative in a time where we were still getting a lot of Marvel and, you know, Disney machine bullshit. And it, also, it was also kind of, like, in the middle of the star Wars sequel trilogy. Um, maybe the same year as last Jedi. I can't remember, but I thought it was very interesting. Uh, I just never got around to seeing it in theaters. Finally watched it maybe last year with Miranda and I didn't love it, but I, I don't know. I, there was a lot that I admired about it. And then I actually, I watched it again just this morning and I liked it more and i think the and i'll get into this more but i think the the thing i like most about it is like it's very imaginative it's a very like cool vision yeah uh, um there's a real like kind of density to the ideas uh, yeah the cultures they're kind of displaying it's, it's kind of like just like throwing as much ideas on screen as possible and i don't think that works against it i just no. think it kind of works in its favor where I I think where my biggest issues with it are probably it could be a shorter movie and 
and D- Dane Dahan is like my biggest problem with the movie. We'll get uh, to it. We'll get we, to it. We will get to it. And maybe really <laughs> it's because we're because he is the titular character. But it's like everything that's going on with him kind of <laughs> doesn't work. It's not to say the things that he's doing don't work for me. It's just the things that he says <laughs> and like, the interactions that he has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I saw this film the first time on Edgar's recommendation. We watched it together. Um, and I, again, I found it very imaginative. Um, this was at a time when, um, Edgar was able to, uh, indulge in some THC products because his job had changed. So the first time I saw this, we indulged in quite a few THC products. (laughs) And so, uh, the imaginativeness of this film really carried me away. Um, And so this time for the podcast, I watched it twice. And now I have a much better understanding of the plot. The first time (laughs) I switched to mushrooms (laughs) because I was really high the first time. (laughs) Um, Loved it the first time, uh, liked it this time. But we will kind of talk about um, that. This film is not perfect. It does have issues, but uh, but overall positive. So it went down for you. Your your care for the movie went down. Uh, it did slightly, but only because the first time I saw it, I was, you know, yeah. in a peak, peak experience. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you could just like do the equivalent of like what um, flatliners do, but you should do it to try to achieve the peak orgasmic height of watching this film and experiment with all sorts of illegal substance substances <laughs> and try uh, to well, try to reach pure Valerian <laughs> bliss. Why don't we do both? We can flatline while it's playing on TV. <laughs> I didn't say we. I said you. I'm not. Don't get wrote me into this. Fair enough. Um, should we talk about how we got here? Yeah. How did we? So uh, this was directed by Luc Besson, um, probably most famous for The Fifth Element. Would you say? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, he also did Leon the Professional, right? He did, and then he did Lucy. Um, have you seen yeah, Lucy? I have not seen Lucy. It's fine. Um, I would say it's probably his least imaginative. Um, but yeah, most famous for Fifth Element. Yeah. Um, so the, the this entire franchise, Valerian, is actually based on a French comic called Valerian and Laureline. Um, that is a sci-fi comic that has been going, I think, since the 60s. Um, so there's a lot of kind of source material for this film. And though Luc Besson loved the comics while he was growing up, he didn't consider adapting it into a movie until he was actually working on the fifth. Which was like notably 20 years before this movie came out. Which now I want to do a fifth element rewatch because um, two words to describe Luc Besson and his his directing style. And I feel they are big and bold. Um, This is a big and bold movie. Fifth element is a big and bold movie. And I want to watch re- or I want to rewatch Fifth Element because I feel like um, seeing Valerian and kind of the heights it reaches. I want to go back and see if Fifth Element kind of reaches those same heights. So uh, I have a fondness for Fifth Element. I, I think it's a better film than this one, but it, I think this I this does is reaching for the stars more. And I'm not it's not trying to be a pun. Um, that's what I mean. That's kind of exactly what I and mean. I and I admire that about it more than Fifth Element. But I I just think for me Fifth Element works better. Fair enough. Um, what do you have you seen Fifth Element, Edgar? I have. And what do you think comparing the two of them? I like both. Okay. Well, okay. like, what about each one? Do you like? Well, 
when I introduced myself, I didn't really say too much of why I like this film. But I'm glad that we were able to talk about THC and mushrooms because that's when I I was doing mushrooms and THC around that time when I saw the movie for the first time. And I absolutely fell in love with it because it's the type of experiences that I have had while on these substances. And so there's like a personal connection for me. Mm. Um, so when it comes to the type of like creatures that you saw from the different planets coming together, like I have had those experiences where I have seen these types of things while on my spiritual journeys. The sense that like, it's just multiple different communities coming together. Yes. But the, the okay. different types of creatures that do exist. Oh, gotcha. Uh, in the universe. Gotcha. And that, and I think this movie does a really good job of showing how um, there is life on other planets. And this could be a possibility of how they operate. It's a really cool way of showing that kind of gathering of a lot of different people and beings across like humanoids and otherwise across the galaxy. I think it's really neat to think of like a giant city, like melting pot way. It's just an interesting way of approaching kind of like space travel and like learning about other beings. And I, and there, there's some exposition in this movie that I would normally roll my eyes at, but I don't because I want to know more. Like I like hearing about the different types of beings and what they do in the city and what, you know, what their resources are, what, you know, what, you know, how intelligent are they? It's interesting to learn about all of those things. And so it's, yeah, it's one of those circumstances where like a movie is just like throwing a lot of information at you. And I kind of welcome it Um, also because it distracts. uh, It's less time that Dane DeHaan is talking. Yeah, very true. Um, and I almost like going along with kind of the sci-fi themes and alien races meeting. We'll get to it when we get to kind of the opening montage. But I like that this film for a sci-fi film is um, almost utopian, really. If you yeah, think yeah, um, which is nice because we see so much dystopian kind of negative sci-fi stuff, which has its place and which I like. But I like seeing kind of this um, utopian idea of this city where everyone can come together. Yes. Yeah. Um, did you know that this was an independent film? Um, I did. Uh, just from my Wikipedia deep dive when I first watched it. And I remembered it this time and I was I, I like I doubted it. <laughs> I was like, am I remembering this correctly? So I looked it up again. And yes, it is an independent film. Very, <laughs> very surprising. Yeah. And Besson, independent, Besson, Besson. No, you you kind of uh, nailed like the, the intermediate version of it where you didn't exaggerate. You're like Luc Besson. Besson, yeah, the director, uh, he independently financed and personally funded the film, not by himself, but he poured a lot of his own money into it. The budget was around $223 million, and it was the most expensive European uh, and the most expensive independent film ever made. And it bombed. And it sure did bomb. Yeah. Um, although Besson does say that he does have ideas for a sequel if there is ever demand for it. I would imagine there isn't, but I, at this stage where I feel like the Disney machine I mentioned earlier is just like pumping out these $500 million or like $300 million Indiana Jones five crap. I I, I welcome something like this. I I, I would, in fact, if there was a sequel to this, I would probably go see it in theaters. So would I, just because knowing that um, there's, you know, what, like 60 years of comics of Valerian and Laureline that they could adapt. I'm sure there's a lot of great ideas that they could 
create a movie around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this movie, Basson always wanted to make it, but it was considered too ambitious because of its high alien to human ratio in terms of what you're going to see on screen. However, it was the success of Avatar um, that inspired him. James Cameron's Avatar, not the vastly superior Avatar at The Last Airbender. <laughs> the, you mean the, the M. Night Shyamalan film? Oh, no. No, no, no. Not superior <laughs> that way. Okay. Um, but that kind of cued him off to the idea that they could do something kind of heightened and with a lot of alien races. Yeah. Uh, there's some Avatar DNA in this. Edgar and I were talking about it and we kind of were confused which came first, but, uh, no, canonically oh, Avatar, Avatar came first. Yeah. Like almost 10 years earlier. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I mean, it? I guess, I, I mean, I, well, yeah, the film did. Yeah. Uh, Avatar was 2009, I believe. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was later than that. It was, it was 2008 or nine, but no, no, it was, it was not later than that. Um, another thing that we noticed too that I was telling Aaron that if you look at it from the scene where they have to wear those like goggles and they're able to see like a three-dimensional world out in the desert, doesn't that remind you of kind of like what um Mark Zuckerberg wants to do with meta? Yeah. Meta. A little but but way better. But way than better. what Mark yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm wondering if he got that idea from that movie. You know, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, it couldn't have like, I mean, it might have influenced them for sure. I I would say like it's it's very like VR centric, but it's kind of like a a fresh look on like a VR implementation in a sci-fi movie. And so I have I found that I find that sequence to be very amusing. I I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to it. Um, So the effects, which again, for an independent film, the effects are great. Um, they were actually done by Industrial Light and Magic and Weta Workshop. Uh, so very, you know, very high pedigree studios. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that said, I think some of the effects in like modern Marvel films are being done by those folks, too, and look worse. But like this, this movie is like uh, it's the kind of like uh, idiosyncratic like vision that can get away with what I will, I'll just like quote, like bad CGI. And I don't really mean it to be bad. It's just some times you can do that because if you have like a, an alien, like create a creature, you don't have to, you can kind of suspend disbelief. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you can get away with that kind of uh, like uh, the, the bubble character is not like amazing CGI kind of stands out, but because of what the bubble character is, you kind of just don't care. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're and you're kind of like swept up in what's going on to the degree that you don't necessarily look around. Right. I mean, cool. it's not like CGI in Event Horizon bad, and I mean, it's not whoa, bad. Whoa, it's not whoa. bad what by you, any means. What are you trying to say about Event Horizon? <laughs> and it's a fantastic film. It just yeah. didn't need the 3D stuff. No, yeah. no. I, and I, I don't, I'm not saying that this movie has bad CGI. It just can get away with not the best CGI. Fair enough. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, the reception for this film was very mixed. We, you had people nominating it for Razzies. You had people saying it was visionary and ahead of its time. You had people saying it was a mixed bag. Um, however, I feel like that's true of almost all Luc Besson movies. Um, yeah. Fifth Element included, Lucy included. I feel like he's kind of divisive that way. What do you think? 
I mean, yeah, he he is. And it's not like he's not an act uh, a director where I'm like, oh, this guy got to see his next movie. Um, but I would want to watch more things like this in general, whether it's made by him or not. I just I found it. It was just kind of nice. I think this rewatch hit me at a good time. Um, not to say I was like beaming ear to ear the entire time, but it was like I liked it more and I was I was happy to to watch it again. Nice. Yeah. Um, anything else to say before we jump into it? No, let's let's get into it because this is a this is a meaty one. Yeah, it is. Um, it's this is we should also say this movie's like two hours and 20 minutes long. So it's not short. It's not um, it's not a quick 90 minutes. That said, like some of and this this is not a knock, it, like some of the key parts about this movie can be boiled down kind of quickly. Um, and and it's, it's like it's not extremely complicated of a plot, it's, but it's pretty innovative, like or it's pretty like, you know, imaginative is the word I guess I, I meant to say. And, yeah, and it, it never slows down. And this movie is like teeming with life and creatures and cool designs and stuff. We are obviously not going to be able to replicate that vision via podcast, um, but I'm sure we will park on some of the more visually uh, interesting things and attempt to describe them. But I won't try too hard because I feel like that might make for bad podcasting if I'm just trying to <laughs> describe something. Um, we'll see. And we open scene. No. Um, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, but yeah, there is a density to this film, like a visual density and almost an idea density um, that's going on here. Like when we get to fan fiction corner, I think this movie, I'll, I'll say it right now, deserves all kinds of crazy fan fiction. Oh, absolutely. That it sets up. When you have that kind of melting pot setting, it really lends itself well to fan fiction. That said, <laughs> I'll just say right now, People aren't doing enough with that. No, not at all. <laughs> like not we don't all. need all of the we don't need all the smut. No, no, or the strange, seemingly Russian story. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into it. Um, so Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, we open with a montage set to the tune of David Bowie's Space Odyssey. Oddity. Uh, Oddity. Space Oddity. Um, and it kind of showcases human achievements in space exploration from the very beginning all the way through meeting various different species and life forms uh, coming together to collectively build this giant space station city called Alpha or the titular city of a thousand planets. Um, now, this montage, speak to it a little bit, Edgar. What do you like about it? people meeting up yeah they're meeting up they share handshakes um we get species from all over the universe what do you think well that goes back to what jimmy was talking about the utopian and like embracing and um different kinds of people from different planets coming together in a positive way yeah and i, I love the music i think it's a perfect song for it it's really encouraging it's a it's a very like kind of warm opening. I like the the idea of like I mean it certainly certainly seems like humans are spearheading this or like they kind of started it and that's fine because we're the you know the audience is human so we're the entry uh, entry point. Um, but I I like that it's kind of optimistic and I would say overall that the movie isn't like pessimistic. Like if all these different people come together bad things will happen. There's conflict, obviously, and there's like, you know, racism in the film. But, you know, that's part of the kind of conflict that a, that a film often needs. And it, I think it leaves you 
it doesn't leave you with like a t- like a taste of like this is never going to work people can't like this isn't sustainable people just don't get along and they don't they don't lay on the kind of like racist racist like undertones like very thick there's obviously some bias. I mean, it's really a, a situation where humans think they're superior. And that's probably the closest thing to like racism you get in this film. And yeah, it, yeah. when you have this kind of melting pot situation, it would be very easy to lean into that as a theme. And they don't. And I applaud them for that. Same. Yeah, they're just trying it, to have it, fun. And this movie has quite a bit of fun to be shared. It should be said that I I, I would recommend people watch this movie. I didn't say it before, but I, I would recommend people watch it. I think it's interesting. And even if you come away not liking it, I feel like you won't come away wishing you had watched it. I feel like you might come away not liking certain elements, but I almost guarantee that there's something about this film you will like. Yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah. So um, after this kind of giant city space station has been created, the president of Earth, played by Rucker Hauer, in, in a the, small role. In a first of like many, many interesting small role casting yes. choices one million percent and we'll talk about those as they come we're up. about to get to like the most baffling one to me <laughs> so Rucker Hauer, the president of earth uh announces that due to its critical mass the city of a thousand planets called alpha uh it has to be released from earth's gravity and sent out into the far reaches of space so uh that is done and we cut 400 years into the future on the planet mule or mule Mule. 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 Yes, Mule. Uh, So I I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say perhaps the characters on Mule and their planet is slightly Avatar inspired. A little bit. Yeah. I would say they're a little Avatar inspired, but I absolutely love them and I wish I could be one of them. Same. They are beautiful. Uh, Yes. Uh, so we have this avatar-looking alien waking up on an ocean planet, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, alongside this like pet creature, which we'll get to, which is very important later. I think called um, like a, a mule um, converter. Converter, that's it. Yeah. And so when you feed the converter something, it kind of spits out copies of whatever you ate, you whatever you gave it. Um, so this alien feeds it a pearl, and the converter just makes it rain pearls. So we see the natives on this planet. They're all gathering pearls in great quantity. We don't know why, but it's kind of what they do. Uh, The leader selects a pearl to be given to one of the pearl-spewing creatures, and they say they want to give it back to nature. Um, While they're doing this ceremony, um, ships and debris begin to kind of rain down from the sky. So to avoid a gigantic piece of rubble, these aliens shelter in one of the fallen craft. However, they accidentally lock out one of their own outside to die. The princess. The, yes, the princess or the chieftain's daughter, however, the Pocahontas. They refer to her as a princess later, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then who, well, this princess dies um, and sends out kind of a wave of energy, which gets, you know, cooked into Agent Valerian, played by Dane DeHaan. Who is James's favorite character? He's my favorite character. Look, look, should we talk about his personality? Who is Agent second. Valerian? Okay. In a second. <laughs> okay. So uh Dane DeHaan, Agent Valerian, he awakens from a deep sleep on a beach. Um, so he has just experienced this opening scene of this planet and its people dying. Um, and it's a dream, or is it? Right? It's not. We'll get to it. It's a holodeck. 
It is a holodeck. <laughs> I love a good holodeck. I love a good holodeck. Uh, he's greeted by Sergeant Laureline, uh, played by Kara Delvine. Delvine. Okay. I think it's Delvine. Delvine. Um, and the two have some sexy banter while talking about their next as- next assignment. Two things. Let's camp on. I would First, also say um, attempted sexy banter. This well, is probably I'm- the sexiest of all of their banter. Um, well, yeah. Sorry. Go say what you were going to say, and then I'll, I'll I'll do my spiel on <laughs> Larry well, and Laureline. Here's, here's the thing that we need to get out right away. Um, this film asks you to care quite a bit about the relationship between Valerian and Laureline. Just right off the bat, do we buy the chemistry between them? Okay, so <laughs> this movie gives you to me like it gives the bare minimum to make me remotely care. I I guess I'll say I do care. But on a scale of like, if, if a scale of one to 10, zero would be not caring. One to 10, I'm, I'm at like a one or a 0.5. I'm in the I care territory, but, but barely. You got it, like a, you got a toe in the end. And that is despite their absolute lack of chemistry and pretty bad di- um, dialogue. Um, I think that their entire chemistry is carried by Cara Delvine, which is not something I thought the first time. I thought they were both really bad actors. I don't think either one of them is great. I think Cara Delvine is actually not bad at all in this movie, having watched it another time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say I care, but in terms of buying the chemistry, I just don't buy it. Well, it's because he's working so hard against any attempt at establishing chemistry. He's just, (laughs) it doesn't help that he's not a very likable character. I mean, he's not an absolute piece of shit, but she calls him pigheaded. And he, he is like, he is, he is a caricature. He's like, uh, well, you're supposed to buy that. He's a lady killer. I can't really buy that. (laughs) Um, but I mean, and it's and all of the, his character traits are explained to you i mean both their all their character traits are explained to you rather than shown which is a major fault of the movie you know he's I like, like i have a good memory i did great on my exams and she's like you're like impulsive and pig-headed um you're a lady killer like it's like okay thanks now we know who these people are i feel like that's true of um valerian but i feel like laureline kind of gets to be her character without having it over explained a little bit a little a little bit more definitely like he he says that she's smart he says she's ivy league and you get the feeling that she is smart and and i think that she's allowed a little bit more room to sort of like live in her character than he is like it's like he didn't prepare for this i mean he might just be a bad actor but it's like he did not prepare for this role uh it's like the director's like all right you're pig-headed and a little bit bossy and not very grateful. And you have the hots for your partner. And he's like, I could roll with that. Good. And took <laughs> and didn't develop it at all. Yeah. Um, Edgar, what do you think about the chemistry between Valerian and Laureline? I think he desperately wants her. Um, one of her biggest concerns is that he's like a whore, basically. And she's able to pull up his record of all the women that he's been with. Yeah, the playlist. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. What What even is playlist? I don't understand. I I just roll my eyes at the whole playlist thing and the whole the emphasis of like marriage, like the whole marriage through line is just so cringy to me. You know, like I feel like we've seen it before. Like a please marry me, please marry me, like. 
the 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 um, what's it the hot headed um, impulsive fly boy you know like Han Solo esque but that's not a I, he is this Valerian is no Han Solo you know no, he's not. Uh, the in and it's just like you it, the movie asks you to really buy a lot from him and them and I just really don't buy it but they're the the flashes of chemistry and frankly I I think that Cara Delvine is just has a very like beautiful and sexy presence that it, it kind of just like does all the work um and I mean she just kind of has like kind eyes also and but she can be badass and it, it really it, it just carries the entire movie <laughs> this, this was my was my takeaway um yeah Absolutely. I agree with that. And I think her character is she's very independent and strong. And I think that's what turns uh, Valerian on. And the fact that, you know, she's not like the other girls that probably felt for him so fast. She's like, no, like, I got this. She's making him work for it. And yeah, yeah, to be honest, between the two of them, I think she's smarter and stronger. And she also very obviously is into him the entire movie. But the movie doesn't like it's not like incredibly like overt, like, you know, he says these things, she throws some like barbs back at him and, but you can kind of tell like she, she cares about him a lot. It's, it's not like a, it's not really a will they or won't they. It's more of like a, when will they to me? Right. <laughs> you know? Um. Yeah, definitely. Um. But also it's, it's sort of unclear what their relationship even is from the opening. Like, from the opening, based on what you see of them, like, have they slept together yet? I would say like, no, but within like five minutes, he's like, you're my partner. And you're like, okay, now I know their relationship. <laughs> but you mean like I, their physical, like emotional relationship. It, I, I feel like in my head canon, they have been assigned together as partners for quite a bit. He kind of like fell for her and she's like attracted to him, but is turned off by a lot of his traits and we're kind of at a stage where she's like thinking about it. Right. Which is, again, you said the marriage through line is kind of silly, but like, it just seems strange to me that he's jumping to marriage. It doesn't seem strange to me because he represents, and and that doesn't mean I think this works about the movie, but like he represents a kind of like narrow minded, kind of like almost like, despite how smart he's supposed to be, like he's kind of dim when it comes, it's like very black and white. It's like, oh, you don't think I you think I'm afraid of commitment. I'm going to do the one thing that I think in my mind would convince any woman that I like commitment, which is propose marriage, where it's like you don't need to do that. And you could be like held accountable for your emotional sins in other ways than just going like zero to 60 and saying marriage. It's, it makes it makes the movie just a little I think it's just sloppy but i guess it is based on a comic book and like in a comic book i feel like i might buy that more so i don't know how are you absolved of your emotional sins are you talking edgar or me no you um by not having any (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no yeah so yeah so that's valerian and laureline and we'll kind of talk as the movie progresses um about their relationship and whether we feel like well you are you already said it like this is the best banter we get we get more banter later it's not great i mean because after this all the banter becomes how about marriage remember when i said marriage how about you thinking about it you want to marry me yeah and she's like uh yeah we're as exhausted as she is about it but we we have let's let's 
Before we get to the the market scene, uh, can we talk about Herbie Hancock, famous jazz composer, <laughs> being cast yeah. as the defense minister? So what, a, what an odd choice. I don't even know if he has any film credits. Other than yeah, that. yeah. Um, so really quickly, um, yes, he we we get yelled at by Herbie Hancock. Uh, the ship's AI named Alex um, explains to Valerian that the dream he had about the Avatar people and the pearls was actually coming from an external source, duh. Um, and it was somehow beamed into his head. Yes. So they do get yelled by Herbie Han- yelled at by Herbie Hancock. Um, he gives them their mission. They are to secure a converter, one of the creatures we saw in the opening, and bring it back to Alpha, the city of a thousand planets. Yes. Um, so to do that, they have to go to Big Market on Planet Kieran. Yeah, and and I jumped ahead of the the marriage thing, but this is the point where he says, yes. like, you should marry me. I'm not yes. afraid of commitment. Yes. Um. So d- tell us a little bit about Big Market because it's kind of a it's kind of a complicated idea, really, and very interesting. Yeah, Big Market is this very sp- big, very sprawling marketplace, but they, it's it's. It's in another dimension. So it's yeah. important that they establish this. The establishing shot is this big, empty, like flat desert where everyone is just like a bunch of people walking around, which is a really interesting setup because you it's see so, that before you do, before you find out what big market is. This whole setup to me is so imaginative. Like, I'd like to know if it comes from the comics or it comes from Luke Besson. Yeah, I love it. And and it's, in, you know, obviously very VR inspired, but it's just it's different enough for it like takes it, it does enough new that feels just so fresh to me. And so, like, you need this like special VR kind of like equipment in order to see and interact with and bring things back from all of these. I think would they say like a million stores or something like that? But it's and it's but what's what I don't understand and maybe what one of you can explain to me is the geography element of it because this is a like when you see it in the actual like dimension world it is a there are sprawling pits like really big gaping like pits and there are shops like on multiple different levels it's not just like a flat level of like shops so in terms of moving vertically how does that work? Because there's a point where like he falls multiple different like floors down, but he's not he's still on the surface of the planet that he's on in real life. Right. Yeah, I kind of saw that as the uh, kind of surface area of Big Market is the same as the surface area in the desert. But the depth, you know, obviously is um, in the other dimension. But I imagine like if you go in an elevator in Big Market, in the desert, you're standing there, you're pressing a pretend button and standing yeah. there in the desert as in big market, you're actually going down an elevator. Does that I, make sense? That's that makes sense. And one thing that I actually wish like for I, I, it would have kind of killed the tone of the opening sequence. But for comedy's sake, it would have been really fun to see what he looks like more when he's doing some of the like at, more like when he's like jumping and swinging from like those ropes or whatever. I want that's the part that doesn't make sense like how do you swing from a rope exactly that so i was gonna bring that up that makes no sense to me and so i wanted to see what that looked like in real life um and maybe it would look really silly and just see him flailing on the ground yeah yeah i would like that um yeah so you did a good job describing big market um one of the really cool ideas of big market as you mentioned is you need these special boxes to kind of bring things into and out of the big market dimension 
um, which we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But that's something to remember. Yeah, it, they, there's like a smaller version of that that comes into play in this sequence. Yeah. Um, so Valerian is inside Big Market to get the uh, converter. Laureline, on the other hand, is outside Big Market and she's kind of breaking into it. Um, so inside Big Market, two aliens from Mool meet with a John Goodman alien. Um, did you know John Goodman was in this movie? I recognize his voice immediately. He's got one of those voices. Did you really? I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a Goodman head. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Um, but he's an alien crime boss of some kind. Um, and before Goodman can shoot the Mool aliens, um, because they want the converter and he wants to keep it. Because, you know, if you feed the converter a pearl, it gives you 10 million. So why wouldn't you just do that to make unlimited money? Uh, um, but Valerian saves them and he snags the converter uh, and hands it off to Lorleen. We get this big shootout where Valerian and his allies have to escape the big market dimension um, with these guns on their arms. Um, so essentially you stick your arm in with a gun and then you enter your genetic code and it pops out your hand with a gun in the big market dimension but until you put the code back in, your hand is stuck there. Is that correct? Do that you is, as you understand it? It is. Um, and there's a really fun way that they capture Valerian. Do you remember, Edgar? Yes, they use the um, spheres. Yeah, they're these like metal spheres. Tell us about it. And they're magnetic. And he realized that they were. So he just started shooting at them. So yeah, so these magnetic spheres kind of pile onto uh, Valerian's handbox, and it causes him to like drop, as James said, like several stories through the world. Just like weighs again, him down. It's, it's I like it. It's clever. But in the real world, in the desert, there's nothing on him. Correct. Yes. Um, so Laureline saves Valerian and his arm at the last minute. We get a last minute save. Um, however, John Goodman sends a monster after them into the real world to retrieve the converter and the pearl which is now in their possession. Um, they escape, and Valerian is chastised by Herbie Hancock for being 20 minutes late. <laughs> I didn't realize that they had such like strict time parameters on everything. It's <laughs> 20 minutes late, and they're yeah. pissed off about it. Yep. Yeah. So Valerian has Alex, their AI, analyze the pearl, and they realize that it's a massive power source. They say it's like 10 times more powerful than the ship that they're on. Yeah. Um, from planet Mool, which is a planet that apparently hasn't existed for over 30 years. And it isn't like in any of the databases, the government. Yeah, databases. it's like, um, God, uh, Jedi Master Jocasta knew. Yeah, I mean, they really should. Yeah, they should have just found um, they should have found the, the the librarian. Yeah, exactly. From from Attack of the Clones, the best character. No, this is one of those classic like, oh, there's restricted files. Oh, well, obviously the villain is going to be someone in the government. Yes. And then when we meet Clive Owen, we're like, that's him. <laughs> it's going to be him. At least I was. Uh, so they get to the city of a thousand planets and we get this breakdown of the city and its resonance and kind of how it works, uh, which I think is cool. You know, we yeah, don't need... I like it. It's it's the perfect balance of like information that's tantalizing without over explaining. Yeah. Wouldn't cut it. Uh, um, I would say I'd say like just visually the, the city looks amazing. They say they know that the population is like three million people which is cool. Yeah. And, but yeah, and yeah, but then there's a, like a brief mention that like the economy has been in shambles. I don't remember for how long, but and the rest like, of the film takes place here. It's also important to note. Yeah. For the most part, um, which like, I don't, the economy being in shambles comes back. 
a tiny, tiny bit at the very end, but you don't really need to know that. I think that they really only say that so that you understand that, like when you see more like impoverished areas. Yes. And like, and then some of the seedy areas too. But I guess yeah. I, you don't really need that exposition in particular because it's a city. You're going to buy the seediness and like, you know, it, it, it speaks for itself. It's a major city with tons of different people. Like there's going to be people who are less well off than others. Yeah. And what's kind of cool about the setup of the city um, is that there's zones for like people who live underwater. There's zones for like people who breathe air. There's zones for like all kinds of different life forms. Yeah. And I like the little details in some of the dialogue where they're like these, like all these different races of underwater beings. Like there's like a ton of different types of liquid that that like they collectively like live in. Um, And I just love the idea that there are so many different beings from different worlds that need a specific type of liquid to live in. And they've all got their like part, their place in this city. Their liquid of choice. Yeah. Um, so is this where we meet Clive Owen? Yes. Um, who's not the villain. He is, he is not the villain. Oh, he's very obviously not the villain. You, if you he's think not. he's the villain, you're just, you're crazy. He's not it. Keep looking. Yeah. But he tells Valerian and Laureline that there is this secret radioactive zone that is growing in the heart of Alpha and that it keeps growing. And they've lost every person who went in to investigate. Yeah. So Clive Owen, I don't even know his character. I just call him General Clive Owen. Um, General Clive Owen is all about (laughs) destroying it by any means necessary. Uh, He visits a captive, I'm going to say resident of Mule. So I think they call them pearls like not the pearl object objects i'm pretty sure there was a line of dialogue and i I guess i could have rewound it and caught it again but i didn't that the the race is actually called they're called pearls am i I, I, did you get that edgar am i am i totally wrong i i don't know i I could just wikipedia it right now i suppose i think you're right they are called pearls yeah, because I was like, what are they? Mulites? 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 Mulites. We'll call them pearls then. We'll call them pearls. But then yeah. we have to also distinguish that from the actual pearls. Like uh, the well, physical there objects. There aren't actually that many physical pearls. I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we know that apparently there are people from Mool still alive and that for whatever reason the government um, is capturing them and torturing them. Yes. So there is a security council meeting of like, this gave me big mass effect energy. Um, like when you meet the council of mass effect, uh, it's somewhat similar. Um, but Valerian very dickishly tells uh, Laureline to just kind of wait in the hallway for him. Yeah. Um, and while waiting in the hallway, she meets the Dogen Dog, Dogwis, Daguis. I don't <laughs> I don't remember. I didn't write the phonetic pronunciation in my notes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I just well, figured I wouldn't. I wouldn't need to say it. I would just be like those those funny aliens. They're like the little aliens from Men in Black. They're like the the short, silly looking ones that have like so, slightly higher pitched voices that are used for mainly comedy. Yes, and they are kind of information brokers. We find yeah. out. So they tell Laureline that an expert on the planet Mool was recently murdered. So cover up. Um, and they warn her that mercenaries are coming for the converter. Uh, and after that, uh, a band of pearls come in and goo up the joint. <laughs> they do. I really like the, their, their like goo guns. Edgar said the same thing. 
the the dog and daggies no the um when the yeah. mool people come in with their goo guns oh i absolutely love that scene i especially love when like they use that device to like pick up like those forceps to just pick up uh clive owens good gooed up character yeah that, like that weapon with no forceps. effort yeah 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 um and we should note that these weapons are non-fatal yeah well yes but the way that like when when so D- Dane DeHaan like he puts before he gets gooed he puts this like breathing apparatus thing in his mouth and I love like though? the no it's not though but I, I love that bait and switch where it's it's actually not it's this like robot like little robot spider that comes out of it and then slices the goo the hardened goo to let him out and then he lets Laureline out and she just like seems like she's breathing really heavily as if she's being suffocated. So, True. but, but, but they, there is a comment later that they are attacking non-lethally. So yes. it isn't lethal, but like the fact that she was like gasping for air seems like maybe they, it's not all, not, it's not all comfortable in there. <laughs> I don't know. I just wonder what the functionality of that spider is. If you haven't been encased in goo. Also like, <laughs> um, way to be prepared for this exact thing happening. <laughs> you know, it's very, it's like it's very, very Batman, like very James Bond, like too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very Batman, like nine, uh, Adam West, Batman, like, yeah. Um, so, uh, Valerian escapes, um, from that and he chases after the intruders, um, in this really interesting way, he kind of powers up his battle battle suit, I guess you call it. And he just smashes through various walls. He and just behind. becomes juggernaut. In the, Basically, in a, in, yes. in a moment, yeah. Um, what I like about this, though, is we kind of like flash through a bunch of different biomes really quickly, and yeah. we get to see more of the city, uh, which I'm I'm definitely down for. Very cool. I'm assuming um, you like the sequence too, Edgar. I did. Are we talking about the scene when he like puts on his suit and just busts through walls? Um, or that door 81 or 18. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, right. right. That's, that's what happens that next. Happens. That, that's funny, uh, too. Tell us about that. Okay, so basically, Laura Lee is trying to guide him, and she guides him through door 81, and he busts right through it, and he actually ended up in space. So she realizes that she made a mistake, and she's like, I'm sorry, it's not 81, it's 18. Oops. Yeah, so <laughs> he goes through door 18. But another thing that happened, Jimmy, that I was telling Aaron yesterday we were, while we were watching the movie, like 20 minutes before we started watching the movie, um, someone actually dropped balloons outside of our uh, courtyard here. Was balloons? Number, yeah, balloons. There were only two, but uh, they were the number eight and the number one. Whoa. And Yeah, how, this is true. And the wind was pushing the balloons because it was pretty windy yesterday. And... Aaron and I had a conversation where like, is it is someone 18 or 81? Yes, this this really happened. Yeah, this so is true. Aaron's like, I think it's a lady that's 81 years old. And I'm like, no, I think there's someone there that's 18. <laughs> so like 20 minutes later, we're watching this movie and Laura Lee and Valerian are now having this issue of like, is it 81 or is it 18? Very weird synchronicity. That is yeah. really weird. Yeah. But what timing? I know. I know. Um, so chasing, uh, after them, Valerian heads into a dead zone. Now, if oh, she, I... he's, she sends the ship after him to pick him up as he's like plummeting through space. If we didn't say, yeah, she does. And then he, but he, he chases them and then he has to launch into a smaller ship because their ship splits into a bunch of tiny ships somehow, which is very cool. 
It is cool, but it doesn't make sense a lot. Um, I suppose. So he crosses into like this dead zone. Now, what I was unclear about was, is the dead zone the same as the radioactive zone that Clive Owen was talking about? Or is this a separate dead zone? <laughs> I had that exact same question for you too. Written I, down. Think <laughs> I think it's the radioactive zone. I so The reason that it might not be is because they don't comment on the fact that it's not radioactive until much later when they get to like the center of it. True. So I I don't know. I I, I don't know. It's, it's it's maybe it's an oversight. Um, but you know whatever. So Valerian goes missing, and Laureline is immediately like, "Hey, I'm going after him." And the military uh, up uppity up say no because we're not going to lose both of you. Which like frustrating to hear, but if you're an agent like that, I would get because it's like we're both highly qualified. It would suck to lose two highly qualified agents on the same day. Yeah, but this gives this like sequence gives uh Laureline a like moment to shine with some like good like don't take me lightly kind of dialogue and also a little bit of action. Yeah. So after some tough negotiation, Laureline gets the three little weird looking information broker aliens um to give her a clue on where Valerian might be. They don't know, but they do know of a way that she can find out. And the, the, she's able to do this because she's like, I'm going after him. And they, they're like, no, you're not. Restrain her. And I like the moment where she's with the people who are like guiding her to, I don't know, some cell or something. And she's like, you know, you should probably cuff me because I'm really tempted to escape. <laughs> and then well, they she try says, to and then she takes him out. Well, she says, because first it's protocol. Right. She's all about that protocol. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they need to go diving for a cortex jellyfish, um, which is kind of a strange thing, but we'll find out why. Laureline joins um, this guy, pirate? It's a human, I think, Bob the pirate. He's a human, but what is he? Is he a pirate? Is he like a scrap diver? Well, the, the, the name in the credits is Bob the pirate. Bob the pirate. Fair enough. Then but he he's, I guess he's like kind of Bob the fish. I mean, he's trying to like, I think he searches for things like this and tries to sell them. Um, can we talk about Bob's introduction? Because it's my one of my favorite moments of the movie. Please do. Um, so, a sh- you know, you break champagne bottles to christen new ships. And so there is a champagne bottle um, that comes by the ship that um, Bob grabs, bites the top off of and sprays himself in the face with champagne. <laughs> Oh, like a lot of it more more champagne than that bottle should be able to hold exactly yes. yes uh so they have some fun adventures um you know we can kind of gloss over it a little bit finding the cortex jellyfish there's big sea creatures um but once we secure the jellyfish uh Laureline can find valerian if she puts it on her head but and that's what's but i like the line where she's like i have to put my head like in its something or in its mouth and they're like no it's not its like, mouth no. yeah so, you know, nice butthole joke there. Yeah. Um, and she can't keep it on longer than a minute. So, of course, she keeps it on for a minute and 10 seconds um, because she's that much of a badass. Yeah. Her mind, because they say, like, if you keep it on for too long, you'll like lose your mind. And she has just a strong mind. She has a strong mind. Also, I don't know why this jellyfish knows where Valerian is, but you just have to accept that it does. Um, they explain, I think it like, didn't they say like it connects you with the memories of other people? Cause she's oh, seeing all yeah. the events transpire from his perspective when she's in True. there. And so True. she keeps, she has to wait long enough to get to 
that part. But what's funny is the memories only go back to like memories that we see in the movie. Like it's like I think the first thing she sees is them on that like on the holodeck. And so like <laughs> thank God that it didn't start it was when he was a kid. And then she just like loses her mind because it takes like 10 minutes to get to the part she actually needs. It's very it's convenient, like an- you know. Yeah, it's like an anime where they flash back to previous parts of the same episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Laureleen finds where Valerian is, um, and she's not pleased that Valerian isn't appreciative of her rescue. Yeah, he does not Very say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. They banter more. It's not great. Not good. Not good banter. What do you do? You feel like it's just on that. It's just him not saying thank you and her getting mad. is just really like, I don't know, really bad writing. <laughs> well i was telling this to edgar and i mean this is probably literally what happened but i was like some of their dialogue feels like it was written into another language and just pushed through google translate i mean it might have been written in french right exactly (laughs) it probably was written in french first so i feel like there's we can't quite capture it and i can't give you an example but when you watch the movie you'll know exactly what i mean there's like a like a stiffness and a stiltedness to their banter and I don't know if it's the writing. I don't know if it's their acting. I don't know if it's some combination of both of those things. But everything between them just feels like it's slightly off. It's absolutely both of them. I've seen like a Dane DeHaan in enough things where I think that he is kind of stiff. And Cara Delvine is not really like a renowned actor at all. But I think like she can do enough with the dialogue she's given and I think she's given better dialogue than he is. Yeah, that's but probably it's both. They're both like not giving great dialogue. Yeah. Um. What do you What do you think about the dialogue between them, Edgar? I liked it. You liked it. I you like their banter. I believe it. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think it's enough. Long. Again, I'm still in the like believe it category, even though I think some of it is not great. I, I think I think the movie's trying to show like they've been together for too long in space. To know each other to where they're at that point Mm. yeah they've been like stuck together a little bit yeah um so we have uh this commander character who is clive owen's underling now that clive owen has been kidnapped he kind of takes position he's the general actually uh clive owen's character is commander this other guy is the general right but now the the he's acting oh yeah sorry he's yeah you're right the general is acting commander now yeah um, so he discovers the pearl that's being held captive and he's kind of like horrified by what's going on. Yeah. Um, and he knows that the pearls need something from alpha, but he's not quite sure what. Um, in yet another very imaginative sequence that I wonder if it comes from the comics or from Luc Besson, there are these purple fluorescent butterflies that are flying around in the cave that they're in. And one lands on Laureline, and Dane DeHaan's character tells her, hey, they're very pretty, but don't touch them. And as soon as it lands on her, she gets pulled away. Um, and what's what are the butterflies, Edgar? Tell us, what are they pulling them to? They are actually used almost like uh, worms on a fishing rod, and they pull her up, and it's these like weird creatures and they bring her in right to yeah it's like they're literally reeling her in like literal reeling her in on a fish hook yeah the hook is the butterfly this is a this character design is another example of one we can't like like sit here describing endlessly but it's a little bit different than what we've seen before i suppose i mean it's they're bipedal and they're like 
kind of almost have like gray elephant skin and are definitely on the uglier side, I would say, yeah, yeah. of the of the of the creatures we've seen. Um, and they're all, I think they're also portrayed to be a little dim as well. They are. Yeah. Um, so t- to rescue Laureleen, uh, Valerian, I was going to call him Ethan Hawk. We'll get to Ethan Hawk. Uh, Valerian has to go to a place called Paradise Alley. Um, James, tell us a little bit about Paradise Alley. I mean, it's the red light district of of yeah. Alpha. I mean, this, that's really all that needs to be said about it. It's very obviously that. And um, but it's home to J- Jolly the Pimp. <laughs> yes, Jolly the Pimp, played by Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um, he lures Valerian into his club with promises of a glamopod. We don't know what a glamopod is. We just know that Valerian is looking for one. Yeah. Um, well, the they, they do say there is a line where like you need to disguise yourself as one of them. You'll need a glamopod. So you, uh, you know that 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 is something to do with it. Fair what a glamopod enough. might do, but you don't know it. You don't you don't you don't realize at first that a glamopod is a person or a thing, right, a creature, or a, exactly. a, a live being. Um, and we get Rihanna, uh, who is in this film. Ugh. So we we get this sequence with Rihanna where she's kind of dancing and performing and she's shape-shifting into different versions of Rihanna, um, including a 10-year-old Valerian that looks weirdly a lot like Dane DeHaan. Yeah. For a the same greasy hair. Yes. Um, what's her name? <laughs> Bubble. Her name is Bubble. Her name is Bubble. I yeah. do, I, Even I, Bubbles would be better. I don't even know if I mind Bubble. I just mind Rihanna. I, I just she takes me out of the movie and I'm saying that in a movie where I can see Herbie Hancock and I'm still in the movie. <laughs> this just her being in it takes me right out. Fair enough. Um, can you describe her alien form a little bit? Uh, I had like when I was watching something popped into my mind as like a great analogy to the cre- to, to to her like physical presence. And I just I can't remember it at the moment, but she is this kind of like. I don't know sea blue like shiny creature that has a head that almost look has like a greedo mouth <laughs> you know um kind of like like very slick like not like scaly or anything just kind of like a almost like a like a slime that's taken a humanoid form yeah what's the boss of the water temple in oh, morpha big morpha energy a, a little bit but but if morpha could take human form Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh so Bubble agrees to um help Valerian. And they zap, they like shoot either <laughs> Jolly the Pimp with a with a taser. Look, I, let me just say really quick that I love Ethan Hawk. I, I will watch basically anything he's in. And one of the things I like most about him is he seems game for anything. And yeah. not just that, but if you I've listened to a lot of interviews with him, because I think he's a really good uh, inter- like podcast guest or like talk show guest or whatnot. He talks so lovingly about everything he's done. That said, haven't heard him talk about this, but there's a lot of movies he's done that I haven't heard him talk about. But he just seems to like people are like, what do you think of that experience? He's like, loved it. Such a great such a great thing. Love that movie. It's a good movie. You know, and I bet he would I bet he would say that about this. And I like that he's just going for it. He's not asked to do very much. But he he clearly cares. He's trying yeah. a lot harder than Dane DeHaan is. Well, also for the screen time he gets, like he they squeezed every penny out of Ethan Hawke because he is he is delivering. And I bet he didn't get paid like anything. And I bet he didn't care. Yeah, probably not. Because Ethan Hawke's a good guy. I want to. Ha- I would love to have him as a guest on this podcast. Ethan Hawke, if you're listening, reach out. 
please ben mendelson if you're listening stop <laughs> being alive um, ben mendelson are you saying like stop being alive stop stop har- harassing your family <laughs> yeah we're both okay. we're all three okay uh, so Laureline is still held captive by these. I'm just going to call them the fishermen aliens because um, that's how they capture her. Sure. And using bubbles, Valerian goes in disguised as one. So bubbles or bubble uh, goes kind of like around Valerian's skin and is able to morph into these aliens. It's a cool detail. I like that. Yeah, I would I would imagine um, on mushrooms, that would be a pretty uh, interesting thing to wrap your head around happening. Yeah, absolutely. Would you want an amorphous Rihanna alien to <laughs> on your body and transform you? Yes. What would you be transformed into? I don't know yet. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll think about it. Yeah. Uh, so they wind up in this long like lunch line for the alien king. This where... is a good sequence. This is funny. Yeah, I like it um, because I didn't know what they were doing with the hat at first. I, I, I didn't either. And I actually yeah. forgot what they were doing on the rewatch. So I was like pleasantly amused all over again. So uh, we get these aliens waiting in line and each one has a dish for the king. The king kind of takes one bite from each dish and says, no, I don't like it. And (laughs) kind of moves on. I love the part where he takes a bite of one, like looks at the person who made it and is like, hmm. And then he takes it and then he spits it out immediately. He's like, no, like, no. (laughs) So uh, we get Laureline. We saw her wearing this kind of white wedding dress before. And I thought the first time I saw it, I thought that's where the movie was going. Like, oh, the alien wants to marry her. I'm glad that they didn't do that. That's this. That was like the the it reminds me of the scene. I mean, this, having like the kidnapped um, female lead like in like have to wear a certain dress is like so overdone, like James Bond all the time. But it made me think of Raiders of the Lost Ark when Karen yeah. Allen's character has to do it. And so I was yeah. like, uh, obviously, if you've seen like movies before, you're like, oh, OK, she's got to service the like emperor or something like that. Or like wants to marry her, and I'm really glad they don't do that. It's a really like it's a really imaginative um, bait and switch. Yeah, so she's walking out with the white dress, but with this enormous, enormous white hat, like a sombrero, uh, with just kind of the crown of her head peeking out. I also love that she's holding a giant lemon on a tray, <laughs> um, and so, so you. Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I I scrolled down to one to one of the notes you put in the outline <laughs> when you said "Who cares?" We'll get to that in a moment. I just I couldn't I couldn't contain myself. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, oh, um, so she has this giant half lemon on a tray, and when she comes up to it, the alien king takes the lemon and squeezes it on the top of her scalp. And that's when you realize that it's not a hat, it's actually a plate, and they want to eat her brain. <laughs> very, very funny, very imaginative, caught me by surprise. Um, a little bit delightful. I like this. Uh, Valerian saves her, him and Bubble kind of break her out. There's a big brawl. Okay, uh, Valerian, can we talk Valerian, about this brawl? Yeah, he very impractically is able to defeat like all of these guys. If you didn't like see this or appreciate this the first time, I beg you to go back and watch it again. And I'm I'm sorry, Edgar, if you like this scene. The fight choreography between Valerian and those aliens is awful. It is awful. It is like he had zero prep on how to do green screen like um fight fighting it's just really poorly shot mostly in the background while like laureline's doing other things 
But if you look at like the way that he like is like trying to fight them and like swinging at them and kicking at them, it's just no time was spent at all can like preparing Dane DeHaan or choreographing this fight. No, the way he defeats the final like alien in the group is he has one spear in the chest and the other alien kind of just runs into the end of the other spear. Yeah, it's it's, it's, but I don't I don't even mind that. It's just watching Dane DeHaan's physical acting. Like wow, like while, while he's fighting, it's just not it's not shot well, and he doesn't do a good job. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but they escape via a conveniently placed trash tunnel in the throne room. <laughs> Why is that there? Because Star Wars. Yeah, basically because Star Wars. So, uh, the new acting commander of Alpha, the guy from before, I forget his name, the actor or the character, but he's the new acting commander. He gets access to all the files Clive Owen had, and he can see the information about Mool and knows that some shady shit is going on. <laughs> In the trash compactor, we get, I would say the heart and soul of the film, we get a character death that's so impactful <laughs> that I don't know, like, I cried. Did you cry? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. James, James cried. I'm still crying. What happens? <laughs> I don't, just Let me just say that. So, like, I I hadn't like seen like this part of the outline um, that you filled out. And I was, <laughs> and I scrolled down, it just says bubble dies. Who cares? <laughs> so yeah, bubble dies. Um, and I agree. Who, who cares? <laughs> um, like there's this, oh, it, it is a really, you- really bad uh, um, uh, moment. Um, like a, like a bad, it's just a bad death scene. It doesn't make any sense because her body is literally made of liquid. So how could anything that they had done to her kill her? And she's like, I was, I must've been injured in the fight somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Also very nonsensically, she's made of liquid, but when she dies, turns into a pile of sand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And before she dies, she's like, she tells Valerian to love Laureline. It's, it's, it's implied earlier that she's like bi and also is like really into Laureline. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. Bisexual aliens. What's next? <laughs> um, so... should, wait, I don't know why this popped in my head. Should we do for this podcast, should we do like one of those really just awful, hateful, um, like red state, like films, like propaganda films for this, and just rip into it and just be just aghast at the kind of things that it covers. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I think we, we should do we that. Do, can we also do Reefer Madness at some point? <laughs> sure. Have you not, seen Reefer Madness? Uh, not, not in full. No, it's pretty delightful. We'll, <laughs> we'll do it someday. Okay. Um, but this is the point in the movie where uh, things kind of turn and Valyrian starts to figure out that like definitely something fishy is going on. The first big indicator of that is that they're in this radioactive dead zone, yet they're somehow not dead. Um, you know, it's it's not radioactive. <laughs> does that, does it... <laughs> I, I, feel... <laughs> I don't know if it's called a dead zone because it makes you dead. <laughs> I think it's a dead zone for communication, but it's also no, irradiated, no, which makes no, you dead. <laughs> no, it's a dead zone because when you go there, you die. <laughs> Um, maybe (laughs) (laughs) we'll agree to disagree you know uh but while there they meet a pearl and discover that there is an entire secret enclave of pearls including the emperor and his wife and we realize that this is the source of the dead zone 
where you die if you go there. Not really. <laughs> um, but this is this is the dead zone, quote unquote, um, where these pearls have set up camp to live in the heart of Alpha. This movie ends very quickly. It does. does it, it feel kind of, like that? From here, it just kind of rocket sleds to the end. Is it a little bit of an anti-climax in a way, in the sense that we really don't get this big, like, even if it was like an, it's not an overindulgent ending either, which you would imagine from a movie like this, like a third act just being like way too much. It, it, this, I, I'm still shocked that this movie doesn't have a an overindulgent action-packed third act. I feel like nine, ten out of ten films like this would have that. So I'm kind of actually impressed that this doesn't. Yeah, I mean, well, well, we'll there get is to some action, but it's not. It's not like really any more escalated from the kind of action sequences we've gotten in the earlier part of the movie. There's more stakes, well, but also too, like you get a big space battle shown, but it's in flashback. It's yeah, not like and it's not even shown fun. that long. No, it's not. Um, speaking of that battle, though, uh, we get a brief history of Mool. Um, oh, did we mention that uh, the daughter's spirit is inside Valerian, much like Kyrie's heart is inside Sora all along? Ooh, nice. Yeah. Let's just pivot and do Kingdom Hearts, too. Let's just pivot and do Kingdom Hearts again. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, we should just do a podcast where we repeat Kingdom Hearts like every episode. We just have a new guest. Until we run out of people we know who have played Kingdom Hearts. So maybe we'll have 10 episodes. Well, that's like, um, this is a bit of a tangent, but the podcast Don't Give Up Skeleton. What is that? It's just this guy interviews people who have played Dark Souls, and it's just their experiences with Dark Souls. Oh, that's cool. So it's essentially a podcast about the same game every single episode. I like that. Yeah. It's um, it's good. It's You should check it out. Um, Don't Give Up Skeleton. Okay. Podcast. Anyhow, um, so Valerian has the spirit of the princess inside of him, uh, and we get some backstory on Mool. There was this war that was being raged over Mool in space, unbeknownst to the people there. Um, the one responsible for Mool's destruction, Clive Owen. <laughs> the actor, not the character. Like, the actor, American Clive actor Clive Owen, who in the year like 2450 is, yeah. is still alive. <laughs> Yes, through the power of Alpha and its science, <laughs> Clive Owen has been kept alive. Uh, beloved actor, he's the only American actor who's still alive. <laughs> is he American or is he British? Oh, British. Sorry, that's my he fan. That's gonna be my fan fiction now. I'm gonna throw away what I had, and that's that's it now. Well, you joke about how old Clive Owen is, but in the reality of the film, we need to think about how old Clive Owen is because Mool has been destroyed for over thirty years. They say that's a good point, but and he. Yeah, maybe he is. He, he looks basically the same. So yeah. unless he like hasn't aged, it do, it doesn't quite make a ton of sense. Unless you know, maybe true. He looks his age, but very true. Um, so there's this war going on, and Clive Owen wants to know if the planet is inhabited by intelligent species. Um, and someone tells him yes. He ignores that, and he kind of launches this doomsday attack that takes out their enemies, but also destroys Mule in the process. The guy so. who tells him that it is, is the mule expert who is murdered. Later murdered. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is all Clive Owen's fault. Um, and the, the Pearls have spent their time on Alpha learning about the various species and technologies in the universe. 
and they have built a device capable of restoring their world. That's what they say, but really it's just a big spaceship. Yeah, it's just I think their their goal is just to get out of there and find a new planet to live on and repopulate. Whereas like Clive Owen is just convinced that they're trying to kill everyone. Yes. He's just trying to like sweep some dust under the rug. Big villain energy. Yeah, big Clive Owen energy. Famous would, American. Would actor. you say famous not British actor Clive Owen? Anyway, so at this point, Clive Owen wakes up um, and not surprisingly, he denies everything. Uh, We mentioned it that he was told that the planet was inhabited, but um, he later murdered the experts, which was alluded to by the three goofy looking aliens. And he gives a pretty generic villain speech about the ends justifying the means. Um, And then Valeri knocks him out. So fun. Yep. Laureline wants to give the converter back um, to the pearls, but Valerian, being the the hard-nosed rule follower that he is, also, by the way, did anything about Valerian's character up until now define him as a hard-nosed rule follower? I, I, I was going to make the exact same comment. I hate no. him. He, and he's like, I follow rules. No, you Since don't. when? We were told uh, before an exposition that you don't, and now you're trying to tell us an exposition that you do? So he tells Laureline that she can't give the converter the pearls because the converter is government property. And uh, Laureline tells Valerian that that's bullshit um, and that love is more powerful than anything else, including (laughs) armies and governments. (laughs) And they kissed. Sort of. Sort of. Well, no, no, actually, no, they don't. They're about to. And then, uh, wait, no, no, that's sorry. That's earlier. Right. No, they like they kiss on the cheek or something. It's not like a full kiss. Okay. So we have government agents and they're closing in on the pearl enclosure. They've set up these bombs. They have troops lined right up at the gate. Um, and as they're doing that, the converter and the pearl start working and their device comes to life. Clive Owen doubles down on his orders to exterminate the remaining pearls, even costs him his life. Because remember, he is stuck with them and he still gives the order to go ahead and exterminate them all, um, basically to cover his own butt. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have the movie has referenced a couple times that he has this like personal contingent of either T-bots or K-bots. I can't remember what they're called. I actually I'd forgotten completely about this until the end. So he has this personal contingent of robots that um, he keeps with him at all times. They're called T-Bots or K-Bots or whatever. Anyway, they're Chekhov's robots, um, and they kick in attacking Central Command. And Valerian takes them out in kind of a half-baked shootout. What do you think of the shootout, Edgar? Like Jimmy said earlier, I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a – yeah, this this sequence isn't really incredible either, but I – you know – I wouldn't say this this third act is a complete misstep. I'm again I'm glad they didn't try to do this like really annoyingly overindulgent action sequence. Like big space battle or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So the Pearl spaceship breaks free of Alpha and the commander is left behind to face judgment, Commander Clive Owen. We get Laureline and Valerian together and they're bantering. He gives her uh one of the mule pearls for her birthday. Um, and she gives him a maybe to his marriage proposal. Um, I do like this though. There's a line he asks, is this how it works? She goes, no, this is how I work. <laughs> way to be, way that? to be a strong independent character, Laureline. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And they finally get like a for real kiss. 
and the camera pulls back and that's the end yeah yeah and that my friends was valerian the city of a thousand planets see you next time bye (laughs) and as always our sign off uh see you in hell american general american commander clivo (laughs) famously american famously american anyway um let's jump into what what works what works for you um so yeah i like the movie visually even when things are too obviously cgi'd um i like there's some good imagination here uh i think laureline works generally and yeah i mean there's a lot of great ideas in here and i think it's very entertaining i i don't know if i'm going to watch it again but that's not because I think it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. And I recommend people watch it. Yeah. What works for you, Edgar? Everything, as long as you're high. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, give us more specifics. What are some specific things you like? Um, I like the uh, the pearls. They remind me of the type of people that um, we've been told that would live in Egypt. Yeah, true. So that's one of the main reasons why I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that they're kind people or kind race, you know, like even their weapons, they straight out goo instead of killing people, you know, love the goo guns. Yes. Yeah. And they're able to like, just like transport them at so much ease. Like these, these machines are very powerful. Yeah. I, I just like the, you've touched upon it, James, uh, like the density of creativity and the density of ideas um again this world deserves all the fan fiction it can get um but yeah in terms of what doesn't work um i don't love the chemistry between dane dehan and kara delvine agreed um valerian and laureline i i just don't think it works i don't buy them as i can buy them as partners i can't buy them as romantic partners yeah um don't love bubble not a big fan of bubble <laughs> yeah agreed um but yeah i i just i don't know i feel a lot about this to like i the the marriage thing as i mentioned that whole like romantic through line just doesn't work for me and here's one that i didn't say earlier i think valerian is a very annoying name to hear over and over and over again and she says it a lot she valerian it's just it's too many uh too many syllables i suppose it just i don't know like i think the title of the movie is cool but may i don't know Maybe if this wasn't his like first name, which I think it's his first name. It is his first name. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it was like Tim Valerian, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, does anything that work for you, Edgar? I just wish they would um they would have shown more of the pearls, like how they live, how they communicate, other technologies that they might have, and how they created them, where they came from. Mm-hmm. I just wish we knew more about the pearls. We'll put a pin in that, my friend, because when we get to fan fiction, we can definitely bring that up. I mean, maybe one thing that also doesn't work is there's not enough smutty sex scenes between Laureline and uh, it, like, and her pegging uh, Valerian. Well, I was going to say I wanted to see a sex <laughs> scene between American Clive Owen and his K-Bot. <laughs> uh, if only both of those things existed. Yeah. Um, have you thought about how this movie would work as a video game? So even though this is not the type of game I would play, this this screams like 2010s era MMORPG. Really? Like, you don't you don't think so? I think there's I, just too many the first thing that came there's to mind. too many ideas. There's just and then or maybe even like 2020s era. Like this made me think of like 
I don't know, like it's just a, a big game. I guess it doesn't have to be an MMORPG, but just a big ass game like Cyberpunk 2077 or whatever that game is like type was- like futuristic like just an entire movie that takes place on alpha i mean you can go to other planets too but i think it'd be really i would want a game that just takes place entirely on alpha i was getting um similar to what you were saying i was getting knights of the old republic vibes okay that works if you if this movie were a video game edgar what would the game be like what do you think Mm. you can do vr like sorry vr for sure yeah like a vr headset yeah to get the full experience it's kind of the scene of valerian and laureline um in the beach it was oh yeah like like the holodeck yeah yeah it reminds me of the new sphere in vegas oh yeah it is like the new sphere in vegas yeah um do we want to live in this world do we want to live in the world of valerian and the city of a thousand planets i'll say yes not me. I no. almost never. I almost never say it. <laughs> I'm gonna say no because if there's Clive Owens running about, I don't want to. <laughs> there's only one Clive Owen running about. That's too many. <laughs> okay. I definitely want to live on Mule. Yeah, we would live on Mule. Yeah. How about that? Sure. I mean, I'd be. I'd. I'd live in really anywhere. I like. The, I like this world. Um. Would you go to Big Market? I would. I would absolutely go to Big Market. Um. It's weird to think that there is that many stores, though. That'd be too overwhelming. Um, but I've also been to a place like that. It's called Japan. You're going to say Mall of America. <laughs> no, I've actually never been to the Mall of America. I've been twice. <laughs> I've been 20 times. Anyway, um, shall we move on to Fan Fiction Corner? What if I said no? What would, what would you do? Skip it. <laughs> no, we can oh, skip it. It's weird. our podcast, <laughs> it's, damn it. Yeah, but it's also your podcast. You can insist that we do it. No, I'm not going to say no. Just wanted to know what you would do. Um, what if, so I just, what not, would you do if I became really unra- irrationally hostile? Uh, <laughs> how would you? How would you, man- you? How would you manage you me, me off guard? I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it, well, I would... it sounds like I just wa- I'd be able to walk all over you. You wouldn't know what to do. It sounds like you're walking all over me right now. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to do that. Sorry, um, fan fiction. Not a ton of it, actually. But but I, like the stuff I found was kind of what I expected. Like there's like someone's like, I want to see some more missions they go on, but they're really stupid and they end after like one chapter. But then there's like the real then there's the real smutty stuff, obviously. Um, <laughs> There's one uh, that I found called Us Plus Three, where uh, Laureline reveals that she's pregnant with uh, with triplets, I believe. And <laughs> just it's just funny because it's one of those classic like two chapters where they're just like they got tired of their own idea they're like what am i even doing <laughs> writing hilarious <laughs> fan fiction where there's babies you know like it's, it's just so stupid i don't know why people do this why do they do this to themselves why do they do this to me think about the time they spend creating fan fiction like this what could they have done in their like that time they could have oh, read a book think of, think of all the naps they could have taken yeah, think about all the pegging smut they could have written. Yeah, instead of doing serious fan fiction. Yeah, it's what, um, what a shame. I found a bunch of Russian fan fiction, which confused I, I saw me. that. I didn't look into it. And then I found this one. It's called Weapon A. I saw I saw the title. I didn't actually click on that one. Uh, so I'll read it to you in its entirety. 
So this takes place okay. after at least 10 months after the events in Valyrian and the City of Thousand Planets. And you might see some songs, but you see I wrote them, and I don't really care what you think of them. Um, that's the entire thing. Two chapters. <laughs> two chapters. The second chapter says the same thing. No actual text about wow. the story. Wow. Good stuff. I, I want to note like a, a, a just a one sentence that I saw in one of the smutty ones that just made me laugh. Um, I, keep in mind, I haven't read like actual erotic uh, fiction except the novel that you wrote. <laughs> So, but the sentence just says they kiss and kiss and kiss. Well, I mean, you know, if you're I mean, going to kiss, might as well do it more than one. I, I suppose so. That just seems, uh, <laughs> seems, um, odd. Oh, anyway, what would, your, what would your Valerian fan fiction be? So that, I, I don't want to just be like basic about this, but like, I would like some other missions they go on and maybe like someone writing it in a better way where there's like, good chemistry i guess maybe on my fan fiction is to redo the whole movie but have them have like just absolute fire chemistry you know i want them to set me on fire <laughs> with their chemistry with their chemistry <laughs> yeah yeah oh uh, yeah i mean this kind of begs for um fan fiction of their other missions you know um other agents like i think it'd be fun for them to work with another pair of agents mm-hmm. um, and kind of bounce their relationship off another pair's relationship that would be interesting i could have also watched an entire movie that's just like the logistics and diplomatic stuff about building this city and and yeah meeting new beings and welcoming them and like bridging communication gaps like that that's one of the most i mean the beginning of this movie is one of the most interesting things about it and yeah, sure. I guess I could, love the opening montage. You could argue that the movie doesn't do enough with that setting, but at the same time, the setting offers so many possibilities that obviously there's, there could always be more. Yeah. But I would say this, this definitely deserves fan fiction. It warrants. Yeah. 100%. It should have fan fiction. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, I think we did it. We sure did. Um, first, before we say uh, our thank yous to our special guest, um, what have you been up to this week? Me? Yeah, you. Um, I saw the boy in the heron again yesterday, or should I say, how do you live? Hayao Miyazaki's, I would call it another masterpiece. Um, it's not, and in my, when I say masterpiece, I'm just saying like, that's like a guy who pumps out 10 out of 10s, putting out a, mo- a movie that's like 9.75 out of 10, you know, like yeah. he, it's, it's excellent. Um, I watched Godzilla minus one, which was great. That great. It was yeah, very yeah. good. I would catch that in theaters while you can. Uh, they extended its theatrical run because it's doing so well. It's kind of incredible that that movie is like blowing up through word of mouth. Um, I watched May, December, which is wild. I think um, it, you both probably would be very entertained by it. It is this. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. Okay. It is like this, like, overly melodramatic drama like but to the point where like there's comedy in it and i wondered at first is this comedy intentional because if not they really fucked up and then you i read some interviews with the director and it's very intentional but it's just an it's the movie is about something that's very odd to have like a movie that has comedy about like in it for like it's just it I was it, it's it's got some really good drama and like it's very effective as a drama, but I was very surprised at the comedy in it. And all I'll say is like the payoff, um, the final scene is wild. It's it's 
it's like worth it just like it's worth going on the journey just to get to the final scene i think um okay. other than that uh been replaying castlevania dawn of sorrow i like raided our ds games back at home um when i was home with covid like back in august and or by home i mean my parents place and I I found uh, Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow, and I was like, I gotta I gotta replay this, and it's fun. It's a I mean, it's a Castlevania game, so I obviously love it. And I've been uh, replaying Bloodborne again with uh, with my brother Tom. We are we were going ham on the uh, Chalice Dungeons and farming some insanely powerful cursed blood gems. We decided that both of us, for the very first time, are going to play New Game Plus beyond just really? getting the Burial Blade and trying it. We've ne- we both of us had never replayed the whole game in New Game Plus, and we're gonna do it. Okay, nice. and we're gonna use Curse Gems to make it harder for us. And but like we're doing like very elemental builds, like like for example, like I've got a Ludwig's Holy Blade that I'm making like basically just bolt, do bolt damage, and I have right. a uh, Warlig Saw that's gonna be mainly doing fire damage. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Nice, Edgar. What kind of build would you have your character be in Bloodborne? I've never played that game. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know. Um, what have we been up to lately? Um, I watched a movie that just uh, released on Netflix that was produced by Michelle and Barack Obama called Leave the World Behind. Oh, I heard that's... Or actually, I heard mixed things. Is it... What did you think? Um, okay, so I, I... I wanted to see it because of like it's talking about like end of world events, you know, and stuff that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also started talking about like certain type of people that are like high up in like the Pentagon and Washington and that there's too many secrets and things going on in this world. But I just wish they would have like, I don't want to talk too much about the movie without giving it away, but I just wish they would have taken a different direction as to what's going to happen hmm. next. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like they left it unfinished. and Maybe it was on purpose. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I know that uh, our friend of the podcast, Ethan Hawke, is in it. <laughs> Close friend of the podcast. Yeah. Do you... Does he look like he's having fun in it? Uh, cool. Ethan Hawke. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's all. That's does all he, I care about. Does he reprise his role as Jolly the Pimp in this movie? <laughs> he does not. Um, what else? We've been watching My Strange Addiction. Yeah. Um, great reality show. If you haven't seen it, have you seen My Strange Addiction? I have not. I, I watch like basically zero reality TV. I mean, as you should, but it's wild. So we've seen one where um a woman is obsessed with drinking his blood. We've seen one Wait, with what, where drinking what blood? Pig's blood. Oh wow. Okay. We've seen one where a man fell in love with his car. Um, we've seen yeah, it's you should check out my strange addiction. It's okay. It's Along with that, I've been playing um Super Mario RPG, which is growing on me. I'm uh, glad to hear it. Yeah, I have like five or six of the seven stars, so I think I'm close to the end. Um, so I'll probably be finishing that probably um in the next week or two. Yeah, it's it's um, fun. I ask, I, I I beg actually that you do one of the super bosses. I'll let you know there are more. In the original, there was only one. Okay. Now that boss fight has been made slightly easier, and there's been some post game content added, which I would say overall is a miss. Um, but 
I I love the, the this particular boss fight I'm thinking of. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then I have been toying around with a game that we are going to be doing um, next, I believe, our next game. Um, so I'm excited to dive into that as well. Um, it's a game that I have played a version of, but not in its not fully in its original form. So yeah. we'll be vague about it, but that's coming up, and I'm excited. Yeah, I, I am too. And and to not commit, it's very possible that due to scheduling and our the ability for our guest to like record and finish the game. It's possible that we'll need to put out like a quick episode. Like before we might not be able to record in time to put out an episode by a week from this episode. Um, But we will get it. We'll get it recorded, you know, before the holiday and either way, but hopefully it'll be, it'll come out a week from, um, from now. Yeah. And um, you guys will be excited. It's fun. It It is fun. I have to, I have to really um, figure out how to streamline the outline because uh, I took a lot of notes when I when I replayed it, and I I don't want it to be like a three hour episode, but but we'll see. I, it really shouldn't be. The, the game is a lot shorter than I remember. Well, I mean, you know, people are Grinches. They're going to complain no matter how long the episode is. That's true. They are. Well, it's not that. I just personally feel like i don't want to like go i don't want to go overboard i i think like we were i think we this is a this was a nice like really concise episode we did a great job and 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 edgar thank you so much for being here on that point yeah let's um let's make sure we thank edgar thank you so much yeah thank you for having me i was really nervous no don't you did great you did great and i'm so happy that we got to talk about one of uh one of your favorite movies absolutely yeah yeah so we have to have you back on again because Miranda's been on at least twice. Oh, so yeah. we have to have you back. Only twice. Okay. Only twice. Right. Only twice. Clive Owen can go fuck himself. <laughs>